You've got ideas, you've got ambition, you've got no time, or so you think. I'm Marissa Lonick, and I help busy moms with big dreams and no time. Join me each week as I dive into time management strategies, goal setting and achieving framework, and inspiring guests who are juggling mom life, work life, fill in the blank life. Dreams don't work unless you do, and just because you're a mom doesn't mean you can't still make it happen, whatever it means to you. Welcome to the Mama Work It podcast. Hello, mama friends, and welcome to another episode of the Mama Work It podcast. So happy you're here. I'm so excited to introduce to you our guest today, Heather Ryder, who is going to be chatting with us about a topic I know will resonate with a lot of our listeners, imposter syndrome. Heather is the founder of The Energy Synergist, where she coaches and educates others dealing with anxiety and imposter syndrome. Heather herself personally overcame high-functioning anxiety and imposter syndrome while working in a demanding tech job. She works with clients from all over the world who want to take a non-traditional, holistic approach toward healing anxiety. She regularly writes and presents on the issues of perfectionism, imposter syndrome, high-functioning anxiety, and other anxiety-related topics. Heather, thank you so much for being here today. I am excited to chat with you today. These are really important topics I think that we are talking about. Great. Well, first things first, can you tell our listeners a little more about you and how you got started as an anxiety coach and imposter syndrome educator? Sure, I would be happy to. So I live in Austin, Texas. It's a big tech town and I used to work in technology and I didn't know for a very long time that I was struggling with what is called high functioning anxiety So you can tell a lot by the name, even if you've never heard about it, it means I was highly functional in the world. I wasn't having panic attacks. Um, I was a uber achiever. I was very successful at my job and basically everything that I did. Um, On the outside, I looked extremely calm, which is very common for people with high functioning anxiety. Uh, But on the inside, I was a hot mess. And I just would have ruminating thoughts. I'd be thinking about things over and over and over. If I wasn't doing that, I was worried about the future and making all sorts of contingency plans for any possible scenario of any possible thing that could happen. And it was uh, all of that was just mentally exhausting. And uh, I am divorced. My kids now are in high school, but at the time that I'm referring to, they were in elementary school. And Uh, Just this, you know, high functioning anxiety really took a toll on my relationships with them. I was a really bad mom. A lot of the time I used to scream at them um, a lot. I just would come home from work just totally frazzled and have absolutely no patience with them. And uh, the very short story is what took me uh, to the path of healing was that I actually got really sick uh, from a severe autoimmune reaction. So, you know, when you're under stress for a very long time, it really affects your physical body. And that's what happened to me. So I got really sick and I wanted to heal myself holistically. And when I started doing some, you know, different sort of approaches to heal my physical body, I got the emotional healing that I didn't even know that I needed. And when that happened, I really, really started to change. My life started to change 
the interactions with other people started to change. Uh, I did get physically better, but my relationship with my daughters really changed as well. And so that journey uh, of healing myself from anxiety is what led me to be in a position to help other women because I've experienced what they are experiencing. So I left technology about three years ago, and I've just been focused on helping people out of anxiety and realizing that there is um, another path for them and that they can actually feel better in their lives. Wow. What an incredible story. And I feel like some of the things you were saying, you know, sound familiar even in my life as a working mom, you know. So before we dive further in our topic today on imposter syndrome, I'd love to start with you just giving our audience a little more context on this term. I think a lot of us likely have maybe even experienced this before, but didn't realize it actually had a name. So can you start by telling us in your own words, what exactly is imposter syndrome? Yeah, you just said something that's perfect is that people often have it and and are not realizing that that's what they're struggling with. So when you have imposter syndrome, you feel like a fraud. So this is not just like feeling underconfident. It's actually different than that. It's not low self-esteem or underconfidence. It's like you feel like you're faking it. You feel like you are an imposter, that you're going to be found out. And it usually applies to work, a work environment, like feeling that you're faking it at work, but it can apply to your personal life. It can apply to creative pursuits. It can apply to parenthood. I mean, you name it. Anytime you feel like others somehow have a skill or expertise that you don't have, but that you're pretending to have it, that's imposter syndrome. All right. And how do you think imposter syndrome specifically affects moms? Well, you know, it's, I do like to tell people, as I said, that it doesn't just apply to work. And there was someone who came to one of my imposter syndrome workshops and she definitely was struggling with it at work, but um, she confided that she felt that way as a parent too. Like she felt like she just didn't know what she was doing and that some like other moms just somehow magically, you know, knew how to be a mom and that she didn't, she felt very uncomfortable with her skills. Like she, you know, like there was some manual, right. That had been given to other people that she never got. So, and I think that if there's working moms, then it's even more compounded most likely, right. It's like, they may be struggling with imposter syndrome at work. They may be struggling with imposter syndrome as a parent, or they may be feeling like they have imposter syndrome in both arenas of their lives. So how can you tell if you have imposter syndrome versus a lack of confidence, like you mentioned earlier? Yeah, I would say it can be difficult. I I can say from my own experience and, and experiences that I've heard from clients that I have worked with. So when I had imposter syndrome, uh, it was this extremely odd sensation. It's really hard to describe. I was sitting at work one day and I was just, you know, typing something on my computer. And I remember feeling like I was in a movie, like it wasn't really my life. Like I was pretending to do the work that I was doing. And it didn't make any sense because I knew I was doing it right. Like I'm sitting there doing actual work, but it was like, I felt like, oh, this is me pretending to know how to do this. It almost, I don't know, it was a surreal experience. And 
I don't remember what I typed on Google. Okay. I typed in something because I was like, what is this feeling? This is so bizarre. And I typed something in and a result came back that was imposter syndrome. And I was like, oh my gosh, this has a name. Other people feel this way. And that was huge, you know, like huge revelation for me. That is what I've heard from some of my clients as well. Another client described it as um, feeling like she was having an out-of-body experience at work. So it is not just, oh gosh, I don't feel comfortable or confident. It feels like you're faking it, like you were pretending, like you don't have any idea what you're doing and that other people are going to find you out because you're, it's like almost like a little kid who's like, you know, wearing um, like her mom's, uh, dress up, like her clothes and walking around in high heels or something. It's like, like you've stepped into somebody else's shoes that aren't yours. And you're, you're going to be found out that because you're totally phony and you're faking it. Yeah. You know, I remember reading this article, um, about JLo and how she walked into a recording studio when she was transitioning from acting into more of a world of singing. And she just recorded a song and she was totally self-critiquing herself, saying things like, well, that sounded nothing like Aretha Franklin or whoever she was comparing herself to. And someone just answered her and said, yeah, it didn't sound like Aretha because it came from you, Jennifer Lopez. And it was amazing. And, you know, even at that point when she'd made it, so to speak, you know, she was already famous. She was already had made a name for herself she was still doubting her own talent and having that like feeling like someone was going to find out she wasn't actually a singer. She wasn't actually talented. And when I heard that story, I was like, okay, for sure, this is a real thing. (laughs) I mean, if JLo feels this, this is a real thing. Yeah. There's a lot of celebrities. If you actually, um, read and and search, you'll see stories like that pretty common. It's like, and this is the irony of it. Um, it is actually people who are very high achieving and very accomplished are the ones who have imposter syndrome. That's, that's who has it. It's, it it is, yeah, I don't know what to say other than it's totally ironic. So, and I, it's hard to find statistics on this, right. But, um, I, it's the general consensus out there is that it's more common among women than men. So high achieving women, uh, especially if you have, um, well, it can be a business or a corporate um, job, but they're the ones who tend to have imposter syndrome. Yeah. And I was going to actually ask you about that. Like, are there, are there higher rates in women and why do you think that is? You know, I just think that women, um, you know, we haven't been in the working world in the way that men have been for nearly as long, right? I mean, if you think back to just not very long ago, it's like women's job opportunities were you could be a nurse or a teacher, you know, a secretary. This is like back in the 60s or the 70s, right? So we've been climbing up pretty quickly. Um, So I think that's part of the reason. Uh, And then also, if you think about motherhood combined with that, it's the same thing. It's like women are balancing motherhood and working in ways that are also, uh, just a few years ago, we weren't doing. So it seems sometimes like a growth is so slow for us, right? Like we're pushing that glass ceiling and we're still underpaid and all those things, but it is actually a fairly compressed time. If you think about it, like 40 or 50 years. So I just think there's this, you know, sort of catch up that's occurring. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you think imposter syndrome is like a one size fits all? Like, does it look the same for everyone who has it? 
Oh, it doesn't at all. That's actually a really great question. And um, there's only so much time that we have on your podcast <laughs> to talk about it. But um, there, I'll just briefly, briefly cover this. There is a woman named Dr. Valerie Young that uh, has a book that, oh, I forget the, the name of it, but it is about women and imposter syndrome. So Dr. Valerie Young. So she has imposter syndrome types. Um, and she discovered this, you know, through researching and writing her book. So her imposter syndrome types are the perfectionist, the superhero, the natural genius, the soloist, and the expert. And so there's different criteria for each one of those. But what you just asked is one size fits all. No, the imposter looks different for different people. And some of those you could just tell by the name of it, right? The natural genius, that's the person worth something just comes really, really easily for them. They just automatically know how to do something. It wasn't a, there's no learning curve. There's no growth curve. They just know how to do it. So if they don't know how to do something automatically in all areas of their life, then that makes them feel like they are a total failure or they have self-doubt. So it's important for us to understand, um, yeah, if you're feeling like a phony in your life, well, start to look for, well, at what points am I feeling like I'm a fraud? Is it when I'm in a meeting and I feel like uh, everybody else is more qualified than me for some reason? Um, Do I feel like I have to work all the time to prove myself? That's what the superhero does as an example. It's like somebody who will not take any days off. And we all know people like that in the working world, right? It's like, why are you working so much? Like you have vacation, take it. And it's like, they, they can't, right. They think the world's going to fall apart without them. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So interesting. Have you heard the expression? I'm sure you have fake it till you make it. Yes. I don't like that expression. (laughs) You can imagine I was going to say, I'm not fond of that. Do you feel like imposter syndrome has the same context or connotation there? Like should you not be following that mantra? Well, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, take this phrase like fake it till you make it. And I think that there is a time and place for that where somebody has to step outside of their comfort zone. That's where the fake it till you make it perhaps is good, right? It's like, listen, you just have to start. You don't have to know how to do everything. Just take a step and keep moving forward. That is, in that area, fake it till you make it is probably fine. But if you're suffering from imposter syndrome, you actually have some inner work that needs to be done um, because you can't just continue to fake it. That's the point of imposter syndrome is you feel like you are faking it. So you wouldn't keep faking it till you make it because you feel like you're faking it. Yeah. You'll just feel like you're continuously yeah, faking it exactly. all the time. And that's, that's no, yeah, that's no way to be. So what's your advice then for someone who you know, is feeling like they want to believe it to achieve it almost, right? Like fake it till you make it. How can you differentiate that so that you're not stuck in this kind of imposter syndrome cycle? Right. And so this is definitely where you, if you have resonated with anything that's been said so far, right, you're realizing, oh, this is actually holding me back. I need to tackle this, right? Because it it really will, like in terms of your career, hold you back. As you know, as the personal story, the last part of that was when I had imposter syndrome at my corporate job, I actually hired a life coach because I knew right away, like, oh, wait a minute, I can't be sitting here feeling like I'm 
literally pretending at work. This is going to, I wanted to raise, you know, like there was various things and I was like, I'm no, this is going to hold me back. So, but I mean, obviously people can, you know, do some things on their own. And so one of the very crucial steps is recognizing the imposter feelings and thoughts when they surface, like being curious about and be like, oh, I'm recognizing that that's real. Just acknowledging that is how you start. And then it would be really helpful to share with someone that you trust. And if this is happening for you in a corporate job, or if this is happening to you as a mom, share with somebody like, hey, I'm really struggling right now. You're going to be really surprised at how many other people are struggling as well. We just don't talk about it with each other. So that alone is really useful, right? And then you can start a dialogue and you can be asking people, okay, well, how do you cope with this? What do you do? And get tips and techniques that have worked from other people. But then again, that catching the thought and observing it is very different than judging it. It's much more just like, oh, I'm thinking that again. That's really interesting. I wonder what made me think that, right? And so you can do some exploratory sort of detective work. Uh, This does, you know, involve some self-awareness, of course, right? But that's a useful tool. And then also, this is really important for someone who has imposter syndrome. You've got to validate your success and achievements Because when you have imposter syndrome, it's like you discount things. You attribute them to luck as an example, or like, oh, that was no big deal when it actually was. So it's like really acknowledging your successes, no matter how quote unquote small, that is really important to help you overcome imposter syndrome. You know, I'm so glad you said that because I feel like women especially have a hard time accepting compliments or accepting recognition uh, for things that they've achieved. Have you noticed that as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like if someone gives you a compliment, like oftentimes, you know, women will be like, oh, this, oh, I got it on sale or, you know, like they kind of like bring that compliment down and kind of shut it down rather than just saying thank you. And I think that's really good to, to recognize that and stop that. I went to a seminar once and that was something that the presenter talked about and she wasn't talking about imposter syndrome, but she was talking about, you know, accepting compliments. And then it always stuck with me as something that, you know, I knew that I was sabotaging and I wanted to to become more aware of. So it's interesting that you said that in this context as well. I do love that. Um, and that's something I noticed. I knew you were going to say the clothes um, thing because it is something women do like, oh, this old thing. Oh, I got this, yes. you know, wherever. And it's like, no, just say thank you <laughs> and just accept it. And I also feel like um, women apologize all the time. We're veering a little bit from the imposter syndrome here, but I hear women say, oh, I'm sorry so much about everything. And I just think, you don't need to apologize for that. Just like, you know, stand in, in some power. And it's just, I I don't know. It's this dismissive thing. I think we do of ourselves, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. It probably stems from some previous like politeness that women did, but now it's just so unnecessary. I agree. Okay. So I'm all about kind of taking action and, you know, small steps toward big goals here. So what do you think, or what can you tell our listeners are some super small steps that people listening today can take to overcome imposter syndrome? If they've been listening and feel like, yes, I have that. You've just totally nailed what I've been feeling. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I did, um, I hopefully some of those things that I mentioned already were, um, very helpful, but some other things that people can do, uh, is, you know, inner critic work, recognizing when those sabotaging thoughts come into your mind and then what I call reframing them. So if you have a, let's say you make what is a perceived mistake, this is a whole nother conversation. A lot of times people think they make mistakes and it's just something that happened. But if you think you made a mistake, if you have some sort of dialogue in your head, that's the equivalent of like, oh, that was stupid. Why did you do that? Right. It may not sound exactly like that, but that's like, you know, the context of it. Then you take that and you recognize like, oh, wait a minute. I just said that to myself. So you have to, again, have self-awareness because a lot of times these thoughts are just coming in and out and we don't even recognize them, but start to purposely look for those thoughts and notice them. And then you can even write them down and then you can draw an arrow over to the right and you can reframe it. And so for someone who has imposter syndrome that, oh, I'm stupid would turn into what can I learn from what just happened? I'll learn as I go, that sort of thing, right? So really catch yourself and find a more positive statement. And I don't mean Pollyanna kind of positive statements, right? That are just not, oh, it's fine. Like that's not helpful. Like really acknowledge, oh, wait a minute. I thought that, what can I do to to shift the thought into something more positive that is actually helpful to me? Yeah, and I like the visualization there of of literally writing it down, drawing an arrow, you know, reframing it right on paper in black and white. So it's not all just living in your head because we bear such a mental load that sometimes just getting the thought out on paper is so refreshing and kind of makes space for other things in our brains, you know? And I will say this, if you do this activity that I just said, like for an entire day, um, I will say, like, as a side note, it it can be so subversive that you don't catch it. You may have to do something like set a timer on your phone to go off every, you know, let's say 20 minutes. And you can say, wait a minute, what was I just thinking? But if you do this for an entire day and you see the stuff written down that you say to yourself, you will be flabbergasted and it's, it can be gross, honestly. And then, and then you'll be like, wait a minute, uh, uh-uh. uh, like, uh, like, like you're in an abusive relationship with yourself, essentially. And so I've done a lot of work. So I, I would say a lot of times I'm very positive with myself, but I do catch myself sometimes saying things. And it is to that point now when I notice it, I do get this like, no way. Like it, it's, it is like another person is talking to me and I catch it and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. We are not, you're not talking to me like that. Like I'm standing up for myself to myself. Yeah. I just read this quote the other day that said something like, you should talk to yourself like you're talking to your friend, right? You would never treat a friend in that way. So, you know, think of it that way. Yeah, exactly. And of course, I mean, we all want to be amazing parents, right? And it's the same thing. Like if the things you've said to yourself, if you thought about saying them to one of your children, you know, that would really like take you aback too. like, wait a minute, that and that and you wouldn't want your kids saying that sort of thing to themselves if they had that dialogue in them, their, their own head, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, this conversation has been super interesting and we are ready now to move on to our lightning round where I'm just going to ask you some random, just for fun type questions so our listeners can get to know you a little bit more on a personal level. Are you ready? Okay. 
Yes. Okay. What book are you reading right now? I am reading a coaching book that makes it sound so boring. It's called Million Dollar Coach. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, that's your profession. Okay. So that's great. I know, but I like to read a lot of fiction. So I don't know, to me, fiction's more exciting. So, but yeah, this is, I'm just answering lightning round questions. Okay. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> are you an introvert or extrovert? I am an extrovert. Okay. If you could go on vacation tomorrow anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Oh, I have wanted to go to Switzerland for a really long time. I don't want to go in the winter. I want to go in the summer. I love to hike. And when I just see pictures of those mountains, I, I and it just looks like amazing. So that's where I want to go. Yeah. Nail salon, hair salon, or spa, you can only pick one place to visit for the rest of your life. Which one is it? Spa for sure, because I can do my own nails and I could theoretically cut my own hair, <laughs> which are not, but I can't massage myself. So I would want to go to a spa. That's true. Yeah. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Calories don't count. Yeah, such a hard question. There's so many things I love. Um, Watermelon. I love watermelon. Okay. And what's one app you cannot live without? I probably think one of my banking apps, um, I mean, you could use it on your computer, but when you need it out on the go, you need it, right? So I would say banking apps. Yeah, super practical for sure. Okay, Heather. Well, before we wrap up this conversation, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes. So, I mean, if you search Heather Ryder, and that's R-I-D-E-R, and the word of anxiety, you will find me in a gazillion places. But my website is theenergysynergist.com. Perfect. Okay. And we'll add that to the show notes as well, so everyone can easily get a link to where you are. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today. Super interesting topic and conversation, and appreciate all your expertise. Oh, you are so welcome. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Mama Work It podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and would love if you could take a quick minute to leave me a review on whichever platform you're listening from and maybe even send a note to a fellow mama friend recommending it. Reviews and recs help this podcast grow and reach more like-minded, awesome moms. And if you haven't subscribed yet, don't forget to click that button so we can stay in touch, girl. By the way, if you haven't checked out the Mama Work It website, please do. There are lots of free resources and great articles there that can help you with the juggle of work life, mom life, wife life, fill in the blank life. So head on over. Thanks again for being part of the tribe. I'll see you soon. But in the meantime, keep on working it, mama.